The Old Testament reading comes from Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in heart. And they set to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. For there he moved, from there he moved to the hill country, on to the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel, Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 4. What then, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was just, justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but are counted as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The second reading comes from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. From the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world, that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We will use the responses on page 206. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The text for the sermon today is the gospel lesson from John chapter 3 where Jesus says some interesting things to say the least to Nicodemus. He says unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God among other things. <laughs> Nicodemus is a well-known Pharisee. He's one of the rulers of the people, one of the teachers of Israel. He's well-educated. He's careful to obey all of the commandments, to do the things that are right, to be a really good person. And according to the law, he's very sure that he pleases God. But Nicodemus has a problem, and that problem is Jesus. This self-styled prophet is going around the countryside preaching, performing great miracles, signs, some call them, and Nicodemus's eyes have been amazed. So have his ears. And it seems 
like Jesus is for real. The problem is what Jesus is preaching and teaching seems to go against all that Nicodemus has been trained in. It just seems to go against God, seems to go against the temple, seems to go against the teachings of the rabbis and the priests and the scribes. Jesus has recently said that if someone were to destroy the temple, he would rebuild it in three days. What sort of talk is that? <laughs> when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem for the Passover, he drove out the people who were there selling animals, changing money. Money had to be changed for the for the temple tax that couldn't be given in the Roman money. It had to be changed. Jesus went in and he overturned all the, the tables and uh, drove the people out. He tossed the tables aside and said that his, that his father's house should be a house of prayer, not a house of robbers. Who is he that he should set himself up as an authority in Israel. Still Nicodemus says to himself, there are the miracles. It was rumored, in Nicodemus's eyes, rumored that he had changed water into very expensive wine, not just a little bit of it, but hundreds of gallons. Surely God was somehow with this man. The group that Nicodemus belonged to, the Pharisees, they weren't too keen on Jesus. They saw him as a clear enemy of the rabbinical teachings, the sacred religious rites. Jesus was a, a bull in a pottery shop. He had to be opposed. But Nicodemus struggled with that. He had some other thoughts. And he decided he had to see Jesus. He just has to talk with him and find out, ask him some questions. Is he for real? What are his intentions? Maybe he can persuade Jesus to lay off a little bit, lie low, wait until things blow over. So one night after dark, he's able to steal carefully and unseen through the streets and he comes to meet with Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answers enigmatically, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm sure that if we could read Nicodemus's diary entry for this day, when he describes his meeting with Jesus, I'm sure that you would see there the phrase, mind blown. In fact, I'm sure Nicodemus is the one who coined that, that phrase. This answer from Jesus seems a little bit off the wall, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of hard to understand what he's talking about. What did Jesus mean? And Nicodemus can't get his head around it. We have a technical term to describe what Nicodemus is hearing. It's gibberish. He had told Jesus that he knew he was from God, but Jesus counters that unless one is born again, he can't see the things of God. 
Nicodemus operated in his own world, and we all do the same thing. Play nice, follow the rules, and everybody is going to get along. Do what your boss wants you to do, and at the end of the day, he'll pay you. Do good to others, and they will do good to you. Do really good to others, and they will owe you. But no worries, it's all good. Those who play by the rules enjoy the benefits. Those who don't, well, they miss out. Put in the effort. Reap the rewards. Nicodemus has been playing by these rules for a long time, maybe all his life. He's studied the Torah. He's studied under his rabbi. He's climbed the ranks in his order. He's a good example of obedience to God. And, as he should, he is expecting that God will reward him, as he should according to Nicodemus's worldview. But when he talks to Jesus, his mind really is blown. His ideas about how the world works, about how God works, they're turned on their head. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus says, How can these, be, these things be? And Jesus says, If I've told you earthly things you don't believe, how will you believe when I tell you heavenly things? And then more mysterious things. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. I'm sure that when Nicodemus got out of bed that morning, when he threw back the covers and silenced his iPhone's alarm, he had no idea that that night he would be meeting and talking to the very Son of God in the flesh. As he sat at breakfast and read the digital version of the Jerusalem Times and ate his poached eggs and sipped his caffeinated coconut milk latte, he had no thought that when he climbed into bed again that night, his life would be transformed, would be changed. We hear about Nicodemus only a few times in Scripture, three, I think. Here, first, and then, again, they're, and they're all in the Gospel of John, again, in a few chapters. Here, he comes under the cover of night, afraid of what his peers will think of him. In a few chapters, he's with his peers, and they're railing against this Jesus, and Nicodemus boldly stands up and says, hey, it's in our law that you can't condemn a person until you've had a a hearing. You've got to hear the person. You've got to get some witnesses. And if you read that account, Nicodemus is soundly ridiculed by his peers. Until this night when Nicodemus spoke with Jesus, his view of salvation, his view of making God happy, happy enough to accept us into heaven, that view required that you were part of the covenant people of God. A circumcised Jew, Abraham, 
as your forebear. His standing with God at that moment was, in his mind, due to his obedience of the law and his, partation, his participation in the religious ceremonies of the day. In short, his standing with God, his salvation, depended on Nicodemus. Put in the effort, reap the rewards. But Jesus was talking to him about something entirely different. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Our sinful flesh can only give birth to sin. We're not just talking about generations. Sinful flesh gives birth and has a child and that child is sinful also. That's true. But here I think Jesus is talking about the fact that our sinful flesh can't birth something of the Spirit. It takes the Spirit that we don't have inside of us. It takes the Spirit from outside of us to birth Spirit inside of us. We can't naturally know God or His will according to our sinful flesh. The things of God to our sinful flesh sound like gibberish. We can't make ourselves spiritual. We can't come to know who God is, really, or know His salvation inside of ourselves. That has to come from outside. It has to come from the Holy Spirit, because only the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. There are some useful Latin phrases that come down to us from the Reformation. And you are familiar with those. Sola fide, sola gratia, sola scriptura. By faith alone, by grace alone, by scripture alone. But there's a fourth one. It's not as well known. Extra nos. And it means, you can see the word extra is outside of, outside of us outside of us. This is what Jesus is talking about with Nicodemus. Picture somebody walking through the jungle and they're, they're bit by a very poisonous snake. And they know that they've got trouble. And they can feel that poison going through them and they can feel themselves getting weaker and pretty soon they're lying on the ground with a fever too weak to move how are they going to help themselves? They can't. They cannot help themselves. They're going to die unless help comes from outside. And that's the plight of us. That is the plight that we find ourselves in with our sin. We cannot help ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We need salvation to come extra nos from outside of us. Nicodemus is in that same boat. And another Pharisee writes these words. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. 
But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You'll recognize the writings of that other Pharisee. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. Paul also was depending very much on himself for his salvation. Very much on the man-made religion of his day for his standing with God. But Paul, too, was introduced to salvation extra nos, to salvation outside himself in a little more dramatic way, maybe, as he's cast down to the ground and blinded as Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. But this is another story. Jesus does have some more mind-blowing words for Nicodemus. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We call that the gospel in a nutshell, right? That night Nicodemus hears this from Jesus' lips. Today we hear it from Jesus' lips as well. But he hears that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God's salvation comes to us extra nos, from outside of Nicodemus, in this man that he's speaking to, in Jesus to redeem all of mankind. And Jesus reminds Nicodemus about the serpent on the pole that Moses was commanded to make and set up to lift up so that the people who were bitten by the snakes there in their, in their uh, time in the wilderness, they could look at that one snake and they could be saved. They would not die. And Jesus, of course, this is a picture of Jesus. He's there speaking to Nicodemus, and he reaches back into the Old Testament, into the Torah that Nicodemus was so familiar with, and says, this is about me. I'm going to be lifted up. And when anybody looks at me in faith, they will be saved. I wonder if Nicodemus slept at all that night. And if not, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the caffeinated latte that he'd had in the morning. His path was altered. His life was changed. Spirit was giving birth to spirit in Nicodemus. 
And we hear about Nicodemus only one other time. We find that it is Nicodemus who's helping Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' body down from the cross after Jesus had been lifted up. Nicodemus is the one who brings the 75 pounds of spices to prepare for the burial of his Lord. Salvation has come to Nicodemus, extra nos. He's now a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And if you trust in Jesus Christ as the one who takes your sins away, if you look to him, lifted up, crucified, resurrected, you look to him in faith and not to your own goodness, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, then salvation has come to you, extra nos. Spirit has given birth to spirit in you. Your life has been changed. God has set you on a new path. And now you too are a follower of Jesus. And that's not gibberish. That's the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.